November 18th, 2022, in Masechet Sanhedrin, on Amud Bet. We count from the bottom of the page up. It's eight lines up, right in the middle of the line. The Gemara will give us one last Beraita, concluding the sugya that we were dealing with, learning together over the course of the last two days. Uh, it was, of course, the mahlok, the dispute between Rabbi Nehemiah and the Chachamim. We saw it first recorded in the Mishnah, and then the Gemara elaborated and detailed many of the derived laws and related halachot. Um, if you recall the specifics, it went as follows. The person, Lo Aleinu, got into a fight with another, struck them, brought about a state and being in which the omid, the umdena, the evaluation of the strike that was leveled against the other, uh, was determined that it's going to kill that person. Uh, the person's nafal mishka, the person is hospitalized, but over the course of time is uh, repaired, he's, he's healed. He's out back on the street, he's living life somewhat regularly, but then again takes a turn for the, his health takes a turn for the worse, and he ultimately speaking dies. What's the situation with regards to how we treat the person who blew that first strike? How do we determine their liability? Do they pay financial uh, obligations, meaning anything and everything that was incurred as a result of that strike, uh, but they're not liable to death penalty. That's the opinion of Rabbi Nehemiah. He says the fact that there was a second evaluation, that after the first evaluation, the person's back out on the street and he's uh, living a regular life, that's sufficient to exonerate the first person, said that they're not liable to death penalty, or the hachamim who say, in the words of the last beraita, en umdena ahar umdena, there's no second evaluation. First evaluation was that this was a strike which could and would bring to death, even though you didn't see that immediately, even though it appeared as if through a second evaluation, after time the person got better, uh, that's not the reality. The reality is such that he's liable for death penalty, even though it was this elongated uh, process which brought about his ultimate death. He's Hayav Mita, the person who struck initially. Says the Gemara Tanya Idach, we have a Beraita. Idach means a different one. We have a different Beraita. Now it's going to amount to basically the same thing with one or two extra details. Amaduhu Lemita. What's the status of a person where the evaluation after their fight, after he struck another, is that uh, the strike was strong enough and the, uh, the uh, um, damage was, that was incurred was to the extent that we assume there'll be death. Yes, Stanley? Why is it called evaluation? What do you want to call it? Well, well, certain, there's not so much a trial and judgment that's necessary over here. We know what happened. There was a fight. He struck him. You want witnesses on that? Or we have witnesses on that. But ultimately speaking, in striking him, to what extent did he strike him? That's what we need to evaluate. Who's evaluating? Uh, well, Rashi said the Beit Din. The Beit Din is a judgment. Well, you know, it's a medical judgment. They have, to, they have to turn to the medical experts. There's no questioning that. Amaduhu lemita umdin oto lehayim. If the initial evaluation was for death, afterwards there can be an evaluation at a later time based on the status and improvement of the person to now determine that he's lehayim. He has a new evaluation. Of course, already we know that's the opinion of Rabbi Nehemiah. We know Hachamim disagreed with that. Lehayim, what if the initial evaluation was the strike was not strong enough to kill him, but then afterwards uh, the person's status, his health status, uh, goes down. He, it uh, diminishes his strength and he ultimately speaking dies. We don't change the evaluation 
Uh, that's what I, I learned yesterday. It's called there's no double jeopardy, which means to say once he was evaluated and determined that this person was not struck to, struck to kill, although we'll obligate the person to pay financially uh, to deal with anything and everything that was incurred as a result, he won't be, we won't reverse the judgment we mentioned yesterday. That was a Gemara earlier in our Masechet, which made that clear in a different context. Over there, there was a, a determination from the judges in that situation, Stanley, based on testimony, based on evidence of the person's patur, person's zakai, yatza zakai mibetin, once you walked out of the betin, we don't reverse such a case, it's so too over here. Amaduhu lemita, what about in the following situation, this is the real Rabbin Hamyan Hachamim circumstance, Again, the circumstance is such, not like the first one where it was just mita and then hayim, but over here it's mita, hekal mima shehaya, and then he, then, he, then he dies afterwards. So everything and anything that's been stated over here, the first two alachot, everyone agreed to, this third one where it went downward in terms of the evaluation, upward in terms of the evaluation, but then downward in terms of the ultimate death, that's the halakha of Rabbi Nehemiah, that instead of death penalty, the initial person, to the person who gave the initial blow, we instead uh, obligate them to pay, while the Biraita says, nezek vasa'ar, Rashi points out not only nezek and sa'ar, but also shevet, ripui, and bullshit, anything and everything with regards to the five financial obligations in any circumstance situation where havala, bodily damage, is done to another. concludes the Beraita. When do we, and based on what time, do we evaluate? Now here's interesting, this is a new detail for us. Concludes the Gemara before we return to those words. Clearly this Beraita, which is Stama, it's anonymous, there's no name attached to it. It's following the opinion of Bin Hamya, meaning that there's no death penalty. What does it mean from the time that he struck him? It goes like this. Imagine again the case, uh, there was an initial strike. The evaluation is death. This person will die, and in turn, the person who struck him, we're going to incarcerate them, we're going to imprison them, because we're waiting for, unfortunately, that death, and we're going to kill them. It means during that time period, from a technical halakha standpoint, the person who's in jail because he struck the other is a dead man. For all intents and purposes, halakhically speaking, he is on death row, and as a result, when we generally imagine, we talked about this earlier in the Masechet, not too many dapim ago, although a summer beforehand, um, the Gemara described for us a situation, for example, where a person's a rodef. If you recall, a rodef, this was back in the early dafayins, uh, the Gemara dafayin bet, the Gemara over there was talking about a person who's chasing after another. He's pursuing another to kill them. In such a circumstance, such a situation, the halakha is you, me, and anyone are supposed to go after the person who's the pursuer and to take his life in order to save the other. I, I gotcha. I, I, I understand. That's the hidush. But give, give me a second on that. I'm, I'm trying to build it up why that's a hidush. Uh, in such a circumstance, uh, you have the pursuer. Now, if that pursuer were to break uh, anything along the way, as they're, run, as they're running after another to kill them, uh, they start breaking all sorts of dishes that they see out on the street and they knock into cars and they destroy. In all of those things, we understood patur. They don't need to pay for it. Why so? Even if, ultimately speaking, they escape 
escape because as they did so, they had a big bullet on their head, a big halachic bullet. They were dead men running. They were dead men walking, and as a result, they don't need to pay. Maybe over here it should be the same sort of situation. After all, after striking this individual, there was an evaluation. The evaluation is the strike. The, the, the way that they hit the other was strong enough to the extent that we assume that person's going to die. Therefore, in terms of their obligations in this moment, we're just waiting for that person to pass away, and then we're going to take their life. Maybe the evaluation with regards to what this individual who struck the other actually did will only be evaluated later on when there's a second evaluation and we determine that he's going to live. At the time that he struck him, there's no financial obligations. You don't pay financial obligations when you have a bullet on your head. That's the halacha. Maybe as a result, we should push back the time that we evaluate and understand there's a major financial difference over here. Just, and I'll conclude with this, the theoretical is the difference between I struck a person and they were bedridden for two years. Those two years we assume the person's going to die. I don't need to pay for any of the business that they lost. I don't need to pay for any of their medical expenses, any of the pain, any of the psychological difficulties, any of that. I'm exempt from all that. You want to know why? Because I'm, I'm on death row. I don't need to pay for any of that. It's only when they take a turn for positive. Okay, now they're going to miss a couple more months of work. Now they're still getting their feet on the ground. I'll pay for that. No, that's not the halachai. We go retroactively backward and we say, oh, it looked like the person was going to die. But as Nathan said, we're not taking my life just yet. I'm not a dead man walking. I therefore, says the Beraita, quite clearly the halachai is, Misha Ashehika, who you pay. We backward evaluate it. We do an evaluation backwards with regards to how much the person lost, how, much, how, much, how many medical expenses were incurred, and so forth. And that's the time from which I pay a major difference difference in terms of my obligations as the person who struck. Okay, the next Mishnah for us and Gemara in turn deals with situations of intentionality, not so much what we dealt with earlier with regards to it not being direct, the strike and the ultimate death of the person, but more with regards to as the person who's hitting, who's striking the other, what was his exact intent? You might be mistaken in thinking this is reminiscent of something called shogeg. This is not shogeg. Shogeg means I didn't have an intention to kill at all. It was accidental. Over here, there's an intention to kill, but to kill another one. That's the important distinction. So we're not going to be addressing in miklat, an accidental killing situation where you take uh, take refuge in one of these arem miklat. That's not what we're dealing with. We're instead dealing with there was an intentionality to kill but to kill another, not the one who was struck. There's many details that are in turn relevant. So you might make a face and say, oh, of course he gets Eim Miklat. The Gemara, for example, in Masech and Makot at the very beginning, uh, describes to us on Daf Bet Amut Bet that Eim Miklat was purposed to be a kaparat, an atonement. You get atonement if you did it in a fully and completely accidental fashion. If instead the way in which I went about this was to kill someone, just not you, just not him, well then you're not, uh, it's, it's not a punishment. You don't get that in miklat of kapara. Your life is a little bit less um, leniently ju judged, but at the same time we're not taking your life based on and in many of the following situations. Uh, we will deal, the warning is the significant that the warning is, ironically, or maybe not so ironically, the most significant, call it loophole, with regards to why he's off the hook in terms of death. Uh, 
He's off the hook. Oh, I'm sorry. I blew. I, I, I gave you the punchline, right? Nitkaven, but here it is. Nitkaven laharog et veharag et adam. The easiest way to envision this is the way Yad Ramar Bimeir Abu Lafia paints it for us. And it's a person is throwing an instrument, an object, or shooting an instrument or object at a speed with a velocity that will kill. But instead of intending to kill a person, their intention is to kill an animal, but it ultimately speaking kills a person. It says, Jesse, what's the warning? Important. The warning, explains Rashi, is even that you turn to, two people, turn to him in the moment as he's about to do it and say, wait a second, you understand there's an animal there, but there's also peaceful people passing by, throwing that large instrument off the uh, bridge. Even though your intention is to kill that, per- that animal, it might kill the person, to which the person says, listen, my intention is to kill the animal, but yes, I accept this warning. Uh, what, what, in that situation, what's the halakha? Uh, well, we'll see in a second. Le'ovet kochavim v'haraget Yisrael. The halakha we saw in Dafnun Zayin is with regards to obligations, not permissibility, but obligations of killing an ovet kochavim is not liable in, uh, in Jewish Torah law. However, Yisrael, of course, you are liable to mitat saif. Your intention, a person's intention was to kill an ovet kochavim, but not accidentally, but what happened was they kill a Yisrael. Again. What's that? In all the cases. That's the way Rashi articulates it. Well, we'll have to discuss why that, you know, if there was a hatra'a on both, again, he's clear his intention is one, but he has a hatra'a on both. Uh, so uh, in a minute, I'll, I'll, you know, we'll, we'll get to the punchline why, why he's going to be patur if you haven't figured that one out. Lenifalim, if the intention is to kill nifalim, that's uh, children who are born with a certain blemish which will, according to our understanding and knowledge, lead to an early death. They're not going to live a long life. They're not going to live uh, past uh, early childhood or infancy. In such a circumstance, the halakha is that you're patur. You cannot and should not be killing them, but you're patur in terms of death penalty. But instead of killing them, even though that was your intention, you threw this rock or stone or bullet, veharaget ben kayama, in all of these cases and other such ones, Patur, the person is not liable to death penalty. So first and foremost, uh, we have to d- address the hatra'a, as we said just a moment ago, explains Rashi, even if, and significantly even if, the hatra'a, the warning, was leveled to this person uh, for everyone involved. In other words, anyone that's standing in front of you or in, on the horizon, uh, they were part of the warning. Why in such a circumstance are you patur? Explains Rashi, this is what's called hatra'at safek. A hatra'a needs to be bivadah. It needs to be with a certain sense of certainty. I give you a warning, and it's certain what the outcome of your action. You're chopping down a tree on Shabbat, it's a melacha. You're, um, I don't know, starting your engine on Shabbat, it's a certain melacha. And you have a warning for what you are about to do, what you're in the process of doing. In that circumstance, there's no safek. It's clear that by lighting the ignition, it's clear that by striking the tree, you will violate one of the 39 melachot of Shabbat. Hatra'at vadai, provided that I made the hatra in the appropriate fashion, you accepted it in the right way, hayav uh, mitad. This is what's called hatra'at safik. It's uncertain. 
I'm, now, if I struck by throwing that rock, by shooting the boat, the person that I intended, that's more certain. But over here, the idea is that wasn't who I was intending to kill. I was intending to kill another. That was not, you can't retroactively say, but that was your intention. That was certainly going to take place. It's not so. My intention was for another. We call that a hatra'at safik. In all such cases, the halachav nitkaven laharoget patur. You intended to kill the person for whom you would not be liable. You ultimately speaking, kill the Yisrael, the Ben Kayama, you are patur. What about nitkaven lahakoto al-motnav? The intention was to throw, to shoot at the person's, uh, I guess, waist. And the strength, the velocity with which uh, the item is being thrown and the way in which it's being thrown or shot would not bring about the person's death if it struck in the place that you intended to shoot it and throw it. Uh, it wouldn't have killed him if it hit him over there. But instead of... Uh, hitting the person at his waist, it hits him at his heart, and if it hits him at his heart, uh, it had the velocity, had the strength and uh, ability to kill him, and it does kill him, Vamet Patur. It's a similar situation, just instead of two separate bodies, it's one body. There's an intention to throw, to shoot at one part of the body, uh, where you would not be liable for death, where the hatra'ah quite clearly, although you give it on the whole body, the intention of the person is significant to the extent that he'll be patur. Nitkavit. I'm purposefully not dealing with that yet, Charlie. It's a good question. Give it a, give it a chance, I'll tell you from now. It's a mahlok between Bishimon and Hachamim. But we have, to, we have to allow for it to come. Right now, I don't know. Uh, Charlie asks a question, just to listen carefully. And Charlie says that Mishnah is purposefully dealing with right? You're trying to kill the person for whom you're not liable and you ended up killing a person, not you, a person, person who you are liable for. He says, what if you're trying to kill one person you are liable for and you end up killing someone else that you're liable for? What would the halakha? Maybe yes, maybe no. We'll have to address it. Keep in mind, over there, it's not as distant with regards to reality. But your intentionality, there's a safek with regards to details. Right, you understand? You're right, you're right, Jesse. No, Jesse says there's still a safik. On the other hand, there's less of a safik. Because whereas in our case, it's a safik whether it will kill a ben kayama or not. Over there, it's a safik whether it will kill him or him. But they're both ben kayama, they're both hayuva. That's why we'll have a mahluk between Bishimon and Hachamim on that issue. I understand you can make that claim in all situations. But the idea is my intentionality is significant. I intend and we look at this situation and assume it will hit the one you're intending to kill. It might kill the other person. Well, how do we evaluate that? How do we determine that? That's really the issue. He's accepting punishment under all circumstances. It's two Yisraelim b'nei kayama. He's accepting, and as a result, yeah, well, we'll see. Anyway, says the Mishnah Amr, uh, you had to cause trouble, Mar- or Charlie? Yeah. We'll deal with it. We'll deal with it separately, or it, it, it'll, it'll arise naturally in our sugya. It says the Gemara Amr, What if the intentionality was to kill him? 
and it had the power and velocity to kill him. However, it goes the other way. This is the first case we're going in the other direction, right? Instead of striking the person in the way that the person, that Reuven intended to get Shimon and kill him, it ends up going Al-Motnav. And technically speaking, uh, you wouldn't imagine, and we couldn't evaluate, and didn't evaluate based on the velocity and strength that he shot with, um, that it was going to kill him if it hit his waist. But it does hit his waist, and ultimately speaking, Vamet, he dies. That's the halacha in such a situation. The intention was to kill. The intention was to kill by getting him on his head. And it would have killed if it hit him on his head, but it hit him on his waist. And we didn't think that it had the ability to kill him on his waist, but ultimately speaking, he dies. How do we imagine such a circumstance? How do we determine? Patur. Why is it patur? Uh, well, it makes sense because we assume, now we t- now I bring you back to our last sugyot, intention is to kill, however, we assume, that's right, he missed, but our assumption is that it wasn't he who killed. Because after all, the, the rock, the item that he's throwing, the strength with which he's throwing, if it hits a sensitive part of the body, if it hits the brain, if it hits the heart, it would kill him. It hit him on the waist. We don't assume that it was because of his throw that the person died. And if it is, it's indirect enough to the extent that we say patur. Intended to kill a, a, an older person or a stockier person, and to the extent that by throwing this at them, it would not be killing them. Um, but uh, again, that was your kavana. You wanted to strike them, you wanted to teach them a lesson, but without killing. It's very similar to our earlier cases, almost identical, just we're getting closer to your case, Charlie. We're just dealing with two B'nai Israel, one's a gadol, one's a katan, patur, in such a circumstance, patur. Again, the intentionality was to get, kill the bigger one. It got the, young, the, the smaller one in such a circumstance, the halacha will be patur, because again, the intentionality and the hatra'at safek will make it that we can't make the person liable. Similar to our case of when you tried to throw at the heart or at the head, and it had the ability to kill like that, but ultimately speaking, and over here it's the smaller one, didn't have the power of velocity based on our understanding to kill the older one, but he, uh, the bigger one, but but the bigger one dies, patur, it's identical, uh, just with different coordinates to our case earlier with regards to the two parts of the body. Yes, Charles? I think they ask him in the moment. They give him the hatra'ah. They know what he's intending. That's yeah. It's the whole thing is difficult. You know, the whole thing is difficult. The whole hatra'ah in general is almost like a l'shem yahud. We're going. You're 100 percent right. First and foremost, he could lie, but he could also just ignore the hatra'ah. So what I'm saying, you know, there's there's easier ways to get out of death penalty than by lying. You know, you could just ignore it, and and so it goes. Aval nitkaven. However, says the the Mishnah, if nitkaven lahakot al motnav, hayaba kedel lahamita al motnav. Listen to the case. Throw it with such a strength, or it's a, it's a potent weapon to the extent that if it hits him on his waist, it would be killing him on his waist. Vehalecha la alibor. All right, so we didn't get to two separate people. We got to the same person with 
within which the action was different than that which you intended and thought. But ultimately speaking, it would have and it did kill in either one of the circumstances. You were going for the uh, waist and it got the head. You were going for the waist and it got the heart. And ultimately speaking, if it hit the waist, it would have killed him. It hits the heart, it hits the head and it kills him. Vamet hayav, in such a circumstance, it's not removed enough from the person's intention, our understanding is, to say that this is midi kavana. The intention was to kill this man. So it was to kill him on his waist and to kill him on his head. Either way, it would have killed him. Hayav. What about? Similarly, just instead of the same person, the two separate people, the intention was with the full velocity and impact and force to get the bigger one, but it got the smaller one. Now, again, the intention is to kill and it would kill both of them. Hayav. Okay, that's the cases of the Mishnah. Now we have a last statement of Rabbi Shimon, whom I referred to earlier, but we don't really know. There were lots of cases in our Mishnah, lots of different variables. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Not fully certain and clear what Rabbi Shimon is referring to, but his statement, the words are at the very least clear, the context is altogether a mystery. Right? His statement is, even if your intention was to kill one and you killed another, patur. The Gemara's first question will be, Rabbi Shimon, what were you referring to? It's kind of thrown in here at the end of the Mishnah, but it's not fully clear as to what situation he's referring to. Let me be clear, before we read the Gemara, it sounds like perhaps the most simple reading of Rabbi Shimon is he's referring to those last two cases, or the last case. The last case is the intention is to get the bigger one, and it got the younger one, the smaller one, uh, the bigger one would have killed him, the smaller one would have killed him, the Halakha, the Mishnah said, Hayav. If that were the case, though, the Gemara, in just a moment, we'll see, will tell us there's a lot of extra words in Rabbi Shimon. In other words, if I'm speaking to, if I'm articulating a sentence, I say to you, listen, here's the case. If his intention was to get the bigger one, and he would have killed him by getting the bigger one, certainly would have killed the smaller one. And we gave a warning for both, Jesse, and it gets the smaller one, but his intention was to kill the bigger one. Uh, Hayav, says the Mishnah. Then the next words, and anyone who's sensitive, even just a little bit to the words of the Mishnah, would have been very simple. Rabbi Shimon Poter. That's what you would have said. Instead, what do you mean? I got you, I got you. But the word, the, that's right. I understand. I'm just saying, if Rabbi Shimon was specifically referring to that last case, we'll have to figure this one out. So then the wording, the verbiage is too long. It's just a simple sentence. You describe the situation, and then you say, and Rabbi Shimon says, patur. Instead, Rabbi Shimon is almost a poetic, and even if he intended to kill this one, kill that one. Well, what could Rabbi Shimon instead be referring to? That's what the Gemara will struggle with right away. It says the Gemara, Rabbi Shimon, that statement, Rabbi Shimon, the last two lines of the Mishnah, ahaya. It is based on what? It is going on what? What is he referring to? Our context is a little bit uh, murky. It's uh, hard to, to figure out. It says Gemara, Itlema. Itlema is a compound word. If you'll say, Im tomar asefa. Maybe it's on the last words of the Mishnah. In other words, the last statement of the Hachamim, of Tanakama, where we us made clear that If that were the case, Rabbi Shimon poter mi It should have been mi 
it should have said succinctly and clearly, Rabbi Shimon says, patur. Rashi adds in as well. What's with the word afilu? Afilu means even. I mean, even. I'm in a conversation. I said, they say hayab. I say, he says patur. You know, he even says, it's not even. You're referring to that case. Instead, says the Gemara, ela aresha. In Aramaic, the Aleph, which is appended to the beginning of a word, is in place of, in Hebrew, Al, on. So, A-Resha means Rabbi Shimon is talking about the Resha. Resha, we know that word, the beginning. Rosh, the first part of the Mishnah. What's the first part of the Mishnah he's referring to? Nitkaven laharoget ha-behemah. In all of those situations, if you recall, the halacha was, if the intention was to kill the not ben kayama, and ultimately, or the not Israel, or the, let's just call it the patur, and what took place was, you killed the hayav patur. Ha, nitkaven hayav. However, we can clearly deduce that if you tried to go the other way, your intention was to kill the Ben Kayama, the Yisrael, the Gadol, if your intention was to kill the Hayav, but instead what you killed was not you, but who Reuven killed was the Patur, in that situation, it would appear Hayav. Or let me articulate it better. I, I, I just misarticulated. Let me say it instead like this. Now, you didn't end up killing the patur. You intended to kill a hayav, and you killed a different hayav. That's the proper way to say it. I'm sorry. Because if you ended up killing the patur, you're certainly patur. You didn't kill a hayav. What's that? We didn't have that in our Mishnah. We had a case in our Mishnah where you were nitkaven directly to kill one and you killed another one without any other variables. No, directly. Reuven and Shimon standing in front of the person. He throws it at Reuven and it hits Shimon. No gadol, no katan, no details, nothing whatsoever. In that circumstance, hachamim seem to be poter. Hachamim say, hachamim, excuse me, hachamim seem to say hayav. Hachamim's only reason for saying patur is because your intention was to get the person for whom you wouldn't be hayav. In that situation, the hatra'ah, although we were struggling with this warning and suggesting that this warning might need to be more specific and direct, it's direct enough. There's two bene hayuva, two gedolim, two Israelim in front of you. I'm telling you, you're not allowed to kill a Yisrael gadol ben hayava. Ben Hayuvah, I said, I know, but I, who are you trying to kill? I'm trying to kill them. You're not allowed to kill either one of these. You strike, you throw, and it ultimately speaking kills the other one. But that wasn't my intention. Your intention was close enough. And the warning included both of them. And you accepted the warning for both of them. Says, say, hachamim hayav. Says, Rabbi Shimon, wait a second. What was his intention? Ultimately speaking, what was that man's intention? This is Rabbi Shimon, his opinion almost consistently through many halachot in Talmud is very particular and very specific when it comes to kavanah. Rabbi Shimon's halacha in Hilchot Shabbat, Rabbi Shimon, we know Rabbi Shimon's opinion that in such a circumstance it's mutar. Rabbi Shimon is very specific about intention over here as well. He'll have a dirasha, we'll read about it in just a moment. But that's the mahlokit answer. Back to you, Charlie. Charlie asked in the Mishnah. How come Mishnah is giving us these funny cases? It's clear according to the Hachamim. Both Yisrael and so forth. Hayav, Bishimon, Patur. That's what he's talking about. Bishimon, Omer, Patur. Okay, says the Gemara, let's break this down. Let's try to specifically analyze and understand where Bishimon says Patur. 
where he maybe would agree. Hayav, let's get a little bit more specific with regards to the exact contours and, uh, and details of the case. Peshita, the following is clear with regards to what we know. If Reuven and Shimon are standing, I mean standing, standing in front of the person who's throwing, and the person who's throwing says, My intention is for Reuven. My intention is not to kill Shimon. And the warning again is for both. That's the machlok between Bishimon and Hakamim. We made that very clear until now, right? That's everybody agrees that Bishimon says patur, Hakamim say hayav in such a circumstance. Amar, what about the following? Lehad minayhu. There's Reuven and Shimon. Yeah, I want to get one of them. But which one? One of them. Oh, we're giving you a warning on both of them. Would Rabbi Shimon say patur even over there? Again, your intention, person, hard me now. My, what's the halachan such a situation? Iname, what's that? Iname, alternatively, along the same lines, uh, what if kasavur reuven v'nimsa shimon my? It's nighttime, or you can't make out that guy. I'm not wearing my glasses right now, and I think that's reuven, but it's really shimon. My intention is to kill reuven, but it is shimon. It's the same body, but it's different personalities. It's the same person, but I thought it was someone else. My, what's the halacha in such a situation? I think it's Reuven. I'm sorry. Uh, Levi thinks it's Reuven, but it's really Shimon. His intention is to kill Reuven, but it was Shimon. He has intention to kill that body, but it's more than just a body. It's the personality as well. There's only one man. What's that? The warning is... That's right. That's right. But according to the Bishimon, Kavana is what we're all about. My Kavana, oh my goodness. My Kavana was never to strike Shimon. I wanted Reuven. All right. That's the question. Tashema says the Gemara, listen to the following Beraita, which will maybe settle it. Detanya Rabbi Shimon Omer, Ad Shiyomar, Liploni Animitkaven, period. So against everything you all wanted it to be, Rabbi Shimon is quite, when it comes to the, well, you, I was going to say liberal, but maybe he's, uh, maybe he's quite the opposite. Maybe he's conservative. You know, you could always make that. He's conservative with regards to taking his life, but he's liberal with regards to determining, or he's, whatever, however you want to determine. He's very particular with regards to kavanah, the only situation wherein we'd say that this man who struck and killed is liable for death penalty is when they not only say for that body, not only say for one of those two, they say I am aiming for and my intention is to kill and they mention the guy by name, I just point at him by name, then and only then is he considered a murderer. Bishimon is telling you more than that. Where does he learn this from? It's an amazing statement. He's really making it lenient on the person who takes another person's life with regards to the way we treat them and don't take their life. My ta'ama will conclude just very briefly with this. My ta'ama did Bishimon. What's Bishimon's reasoning? Now we're looking for a source. It's hard to pinpoint a reasoning over here. I mean, we understand intentionality, but uh, he needs to have a sourcing over here. Amar Kera. The Gemara points to a pasuk. The pasuk 
has what seems to be a little bit, in the eyes of the Hachamim, too many details, almost a narrative flourish when you're dealing with law. Because the Pasuk says the following, If a person hates another, underline those words, Hazuk in the context of Yirin Miklat describes what intention with regards to killing is. So listen to the statement again. If a person hates the other, ve'aravlo. What are those words? Ve'aravlo mean. Ve'aravlo means that he plotted against him. It means he was waiting for the moment of death. Those extra two words are very significant, says the Bishimon. They make it clear that intentionality is not just a general intentionality, it's a specific, purposeful, direct. Ve'arav lo, he plotted against him. He was waiting for the moment and situation. Ve'kam alav ajit kaven lo. It's until he actually has full intent to get him. How would the Hachamim interpret this Pasuk? After all, those are superfluous extra words in the Pasuk. We understand where you're coming from now. All right, that's what we'll deal with next week. Amen. Amen.